Okay, what up, like listeners, and welcome to another show, episode sixty-six. I think it is now with myself, Ben, and Josh. Uh, after a week off due to you having a, a manic work schedule, <laughs> um, yes. fun times, fun times, and an unexpected one. I wasn't expecting to be here, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's one of those ones. <laughs> the droid technology, we can do it from afar, so it's all right. Um, yeah, so let's get into it. It's been a been a quite what week. is I don't know what's going on. I was even listening to so I was listening to No Agenda last night, and even them. I mean, they do like a three hour show, but even they were like looking for further afield. Normally, they just do like US stuff, and they were looking for further afield because they were like, yeah, nothing's really happened in the US. Nothing's really happened in Brexit. I'm like, it is an abnormally quiet time in news. Yeah, it's a, it's a nothing week really. It's been a busy week in sport, but nothing week in actual news. Ha, where I've got to admit, so I was out in Camden yesterday, and so I didn't watch football. <clears throat> I wasn't really interested in Arsenal. We didn't have anything to play for. Well, unless we turned over an eight-goal deficit, I think it was, then we were obviously not in the top four. Um, but every time I heard a cheer, I was like, oh, please tell me that's not Liverpool fans. And I, I think, combinedly, no one likes Liverpool fans because all the cheers were definitely not just Man City fans. Anyhow, uh, commiserations, Liverpool. I don't feel bad about it. I couldn't handle them winning the league. Uh, I can at least take <laughs> Mad City winning it. So, yeah, I get that. I, I, I hear that. But uh, I think for the next two weeks, I'm going to be a Liverpool fan anyway. I can't handle Spurs. I can't handle the idea of Spurs winning the Champions League before us. I well, I said to somebody that I needed two things to happen: Man City to take the league. They've done that. And Liverpool to take the Champions League. I can take Liverpool winning the Champions League. I've heard it before. What yeah. would be the worst case scenario? Is Spurs win the Champions League and we lose the Europa League. <laughs> that's, that's like bury your head in the sand for the next year. <laughs> and I think the next year they'll, they'll bring it up all the time. But let's get into some more serious news. Um, where do we start this week? So uh, there's not a lot going on. Um, it's just the roundup of, of, the, of the UK. So we start with um, May, Theresa May and her Brexit talks. So, um, Williamson, the, def- the recently def- um, sacked defence secretary, uh, who was sacked because he leaked information out, um, he says that um, Labour, that Theresa May's negotiations with Labour over Brexit will fail. Uh, what's your take on it? Well, I just, we, I think we spoke about this before. I don't really understand the Tories because they're unhappy that she's gone to speak to Labour, yet they can't get their own house in order. So that is the only alternative. Um, they kind of created this chasm that she needed to go down themselves. And now they're saying, oh, yeah, well, this isn't going to work. Well, arguably, I think it isn't going to work. But that's not the point. Um, she's only going down this route because you lot couldn't get on board internally. Um, I don't see how they reach uh, a kind of point of balance or agreement on this. It was quite interesting. I think it was Donald Tusk was interviewed um, at some point, well, there are a couple of people from the EU who basically said that they don't believe that it's going to that Brexit's going to happen anymore. And I think Donald Tusk said he thinks there's a twenty to thirty percent chance that might not happen. And I'm like, that's a pretty big margin to call. Um, so, uh, <laughs> and ultimately, we've seen nothing, right? I, I, I knew this was going to happen, and I thought only stupid people would allow this to happen. You got the extension agreed. And then you've just done nothing. She's having a conversation with what? Jeremy Corbyn. And I think there's some Tories involved in the conversations, but it's really going nowhere. So I think what three three weeks on now, four weeks from when we were when we've got agreed the new extension date, um, and date by which we need to exit by, they've just done nothing, completely taken their foot off the gas. I'm like, you are hurtling towards getting to September and being in exactly the same position again. Uh-huh. It's really bad. It's, so, it's, yeah. yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, it's all gone quiet on the Brexit front. I suspect it may be quiet now until yeah, a couple of months. Because the thing, the thing is, and then summer will set in, and well, I don't know. Maybe they'll call in Parliament over the usually the summer sessions that they have off. They're going to have no choice to it at this rate. But I would not be surprised if it goes quiet and we hear nothing, and then there's a big scramble. Um, and obviously, in the midst of this, they've got the EU elections going on, where 
polls suggest that Nigel Farage's Brexit party is going to be the ones who are voted in, which frankly is just, we should be embarrassed by that. We're not. We seem to be, some people seem to be proud of it. We should be absolutely embarrassed because he's dick. Um, and I think he made some comment when he was on one of the BBC interviews where he said, well, the the government have shown themselves to be incompetent. Dude, you won the vote and then quit the next day. So I don't disagree that the government are incompetent, but I think that you're probably the, the last person who's able to talk about this. I hate the fact that he still has a platform to talk on, which obviously I've said many times before, but still, doesn't change that. <laughs> he was on um, Andrew Marr's show yesterday, and he got into quite a scuffle with Andrew Marr because he said Andrew Marr and the BBC are, out the, are not in line with the British public's um, view on Brexit. So he's been well, he didn't like the fact he didn't like the way that the conversation was going. So then he just started saying, "This is the worst line of interview and an inquiry that I've ever heard." I'm like, "Really?" Um, he said, "What? Theresa May was willfully deceiving people over the negotiated EU deal." Well, there's nothing to deceive about. We know what it is. It's a shit deal. Um, in fairness, she has been pushed to a point at many points where she's basically said it's this deal or no deal. So she's almost implicitly accepted it's a shit deal. I don't think there's much to deceive about. Uh, what was interesting is he just then threw his toys out of his pram. What he said, this is absolutely ludicrous. I've never in my life seen a more ridiculous interview than this. Well, first off, just from a purely logical standpoint, you're not seeing the own interview. You're part of the interview, dude. Um, but that said... It, it was bizarre. I think there was a similar one with uh, Ben Shapiro where he was interviewed on the BBC and he got pushed into a corner for his toys out of the pram this week as well. Yeah, so, he, had, he had an interview with um, is it, is it Andrew Neil and he called Andrew Neil a lefty, but in, even though Andrew Neil was a, was a, is a Tory and comes from, comes from the Tory um, party and he called, uh, he called Andrew, he called him, he called Neil a lefty and he started um, throwing personal insults at him. And it's, I think what happened was Shapiro didn't do his research. He well, he did research. say afterwards, he, he tweeted afterwards, didn't he? He said, I wasn't prepared, one nil to nil. Yeah. I, he wasn't prepared. So it, it was quite funny because usually Shapiro normally just destroys other people. But it was fun, it's funny seeing him be put on a back be put on a back foot and then start going personal with his, with his insults. Well, he usually destroys other people when there are certain kinds of conversations. So if he gets into a conversation about gender and biology, he, it's quite... Let's be quite clear, guys. It's quite easy to destroy anybody in that argument if you've got any semblance of logic in your mind. Um, however, normally what he does is he just destroys people on his own show when they're not not around to counter back to him. Um, I'm not saying that he's not a very logical debater. However, he he does tend to have more practice in shooting people down on his show when there's nobody to defend against rather than in a face-to-face. I think one of the, well, face-to-face or virtual conversation, but there was one point where I think he said to Andrew Neil, I didn't even know who you were before this. And Andrew Neil just countered with, well, yeah. I didn't know who you were until I read up my notes prior to this interview. So. Yeah. <laughs> but it's in fairness sure. to him, at least he could come out and say afterwards, hands up, yeah, I, I, I lost this one. Um, we could probably do with more people who take that healthy approach to the debate where you can just accept sometimes... It's not your day. That's very true. Very, very true. All right, moving on. Um, staying, staying on with uh, the UK. The UK economy is rebounds in its first quarter. So um, Brexit, Brexit stockpiling by firms has helped, has helped lift the UK's growth in the first few months of the year. So um, people, the scaremongering of Brexit has forced cut a lot of um, firms to stockpile um, supplies in fear that they wouldn't need to get supplies once once. Um, and um, once we've had a no-deal Brexit, has helped the UK's um, growth in the first three months. Interesting. Yeah, I, I took this as just being like an immaterial figure, um, just because of the reason behind it. I'm like, it's, it's like almost putting a positive spin on the, the scaremongering they've got. I'm, I'm sure the conspiracy theorist in there would try and find a link or a causation between this rising growth. It is interesting, though, for a lot of those who said, no, no, don't worry, there's no issue, and nobody's going to be stockpiling to see that clearly people were, because we now see it from um, an actual figures and growth perspective. However, it's it's always quite interesting with these, where they pop up, because now we know that it's going to, well, I don't know, it it should go down in the next quarter, but for all we know, it could. I I suspect it's going to go down in the next quarter, and then it's going to go back up in the quarter after that, because they're going to restockpile stuff ahead of October. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I see that. But I think this, 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 this type of news is like 
it's, it's the news about nothing because there's not there's not much report, so they just start to, they just start quoting stuff and trying to make and trying to spin non sexy stories. Well, yeah, when you put it rebounds, and as soon as I went in there, I was like, oh, really interesting. Does that mean that people are investing in us? Um, but no, then obviously find the reason. It was quite interesting though because I, I think uh, I can't remember what forum it was at, but Warren Buffett was given uh, a talk, and he said that yeah, he would still invest in the uh, EU and in the UK and everybody took that as oh well obviously we're safe because Warren Buffett was still investing in us but well no because actually I've thought about that and I thought well it's a no-brainer what he's saying there right because the value of companies intrinsically isn't going to go down right they still make business in the way they make business they're just being impacted by the economy now my my argument is always going to be Brexit is a bad idea for us however it doesn't change the fact that in the immediate uh, instance of it afterwards you're going to see a drop in the economy therefore there are going to be companies that are severely undervalued to their actual intrinsic value therefore it makes sense that any long-term investor would go into that so again that's a bit of a putting a positive spin on it saying oh well at least warren buffett would still invest well, yeah again anybody who has any kind of understanding of his approach to investment would put two and two together and say oh yeah actually that makes sense because what that means is there's going to be a coming dip and there's going to be chances to make uh, profits in there. However, we, we don't want to do that. We can just wh- why would the news do that? It's uh it's easier to just put spin stories up. Yeah, that's true. All right, staying on um a little bit, a little bit more of uh domestic news. Uh Sadiq Khan has Khan has come out and said that Theresa May should call out um Donald Trump. Um said we know Sadiq Khan doesn't like Donald Trump and now he's trying to put pressure on a pressure on the PM to call him out and, and try and create a, he said, I'm not, I'm not suggesting to do a Hugh Grant type of public scene, but to try and like put him on the spot. I'm like, what? The, I don't see the benefit of that. I understand why they want to do it, but I don't see the benefit of it. Well, this to me is just virtue signaling. Like he knows that people are unhappy about Donald Trump's state visit over. And I think he's just trying to jump on the bandwagon here and ride the wave because I'm the same as you. I'm like, there's no value for her doing that. Um, It's not going to change his mind. What is quite clear about him is, is you can throw sticks and stones at him, but he doesn't give a shit. So what would be the benefit of this? It would be purely from a position. And to be honest, she probably will come out and say this afterwards in her interview afterwards. I imagine that we will see something along the lines of we had some very fruitful conversation and some good discussions. Obviously, there are areas where we don't speak eye to eye on, where I did make my opinions clear that the things that we disagree with, blah, 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 blah. But overall, it was very productive talks. You can almost script it now. So he's staying there and then he can come out afterwards and be able to say, yep, yep, I told her and she done the right thing and what I suggested for before. So it's just... Politicians are so predictable. It's just, yeah, it's, it's just a joke, to be honest. <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I don't see the point in this apart from him to come out and be able to set up the scene for him to be able to say that afterwards. Because she will invariably say that, whether she will have this conversation. I don't think she will. Um, I can imagine them just being in a room and no conversation going on and him being on Twitter all day and her drinking tea. And arguably... <laughs> She doesn't need to be wasting time. And another thing I thought about this is when you've got all the shit that we've got going on in the country at the moment, then this isn't a battle. That It's not about picking your battles because Donald Trump isn't helping us with Brexit. However, it doesn't, it doesn't make a difference. Like There are other things to be discussing now. Like This is not the time for this battle there. How about you sort out Brexit first, guys? Get the country back in order. Then you can worry about going tit for tat on ultimately not even – these are – barely even geopolitical reasons that he dislikes Donald Trump. They're more moral and ethical reasons, which I don't disagree with, but there's a benefit of raising them at this very point in time, especially to someone as hard-nosed as Donald Trump, where, to be quite frank, it's just going to fall on deaf ears, literally. Yeah, that's true. All right, moving on. Um, it's, been a lot of, uh, it's been a lot of tech news this week. So, um, so Instagram's tested, Instagram's on the tests Remove a number of likes and photos of photos and videos. So I've only done a test in, in Canada, where they've um, they did a test in Canada where they've where they removed the likes. So, pe- so people have been complaining that the likes cause people to have like, is it social social anxiety and all that 
it's trying to make it a healthier place so people posting because they want to post not because they want to post to get likes so they're testing that and then another another story i saw um, lower down is uh instagram blocks vaccine hopes hashtags so it seems that um instagram which are owned which are owned by facebook are, are and also there's another story where um instagram have removed um, a number of um, uh, uh, Facebook, not Instagram, Facebook have removed a number of dangerous individuals. So they've removed uh, Alex Jones and Louis Farrakhan and Milo, and My I can't say Milo's surname, but Milo. And um, it's all three stories in my eyes just point to the fact that um, f Facebook are so afraid of being made a publisher. So they're trying to get ahead of this curve. So it seems that Facebook owns Instagram. And they're trying to get ahead of the curve of like um, being held accountable for what people post. So they're trying to like um, sense uh, weed out um, the bad apples before they before they're forced to do it themselves. But that in a so, so there's a slightly different there to the um, the vaccination one. I'll link to the drug story afterwards. Um, the, the, firstly, removing the Instagram likes. In Instagram, I'm going to do that. This test isn't going to be positive. People will lose their shit over the fact that they can't see their amount of likes anymore. Um, also, it'll be catastrophic for some people on there. Well, for new people who want to grow on the platform, it'll be pretty catastrophic because usually the way that people measure your um, kind of viability as a as an actual any kind of influencer are on the kind of likes and follows you get so if that's not visible then it's not going to be a good platform for people trying to start kind of new business ventures or or to monetize their business i don't disagree with the uh, idea behind it i think that there are a lot of people nowadays i mean you've seen, you've seen it i've spoken to people who take like literally i've spoken to a couple of guys who do like fitness ones and they they sit there and i know what girls do this as well just as bad and um, probably worse but they will spend they will take 100 photos to get the perfect photo to post and then once they post it they will check in to see if they get their likes and if they don't get their likes then they'll probably replace it with a different photo again and delete the one which didn't get likes i mean it's it's all this desire for wanting to be accepted and it does build up social anxiety within people. Arguably, I, I would suggest that this is a sign of our psychological weakness, personally, of society. It's not to individuals. I just think in general, we're soft as a society. And this is just another example of that, right? Oh my God, people like me, like me, love me, love me, love me, please just adore or adore me kind of thing. Um, so I don't see that they're actually going to make a change to that. On the second point, I mean, I saw somebody post up a video about the real reason why Louis Farrakhan got chucked off. Needless to say, I didn't watch the video. Um, <laughs> but that said, they were putting it up and I'm like, but he got chucked off, but so did a bunch of white right-wingers. So it's kind of misleading the story there. If you put it up and said, why Louis Farrakhan and Alex Jones and the rest, and I think there was the, the Britain first one got kicked off as well. If you wanted to wrap up the whole story, I'm fine. But you, you're now creating your own narrative. You're choosing to take the person from a black background who, and, and to be honest, I didn't need to watch the video because there is a huge argument anytime that people of a white or right-wing background, specifically of a white background, get... Indiscrim not indiscriminately, but get chucked off, that imbalanced chuck off, because you're allowed to have people like Laura Farrakhan sitting around. Now, I'm I'm sorry, I don't care how it sounds to anybody listening. I'm not catching in. I, I, I'm not going to subscribe to following somebody just because of the colour of his skin. I'm not going to give him a, a pass on some of the shit that comes out of his mouth. I, I, don't, in, I don't enjoy listening to anything that he has to say. Um, however, that's it. Again, wrapping up all of them, when you've said that they don't want to be seen as a publisher, I took this as a different route. They're, they're now going down that route, right? Because they're now mediating what is able to be posted on their platform, which was the argument before was, well, if we just leave people to post stuff themselves and we're just a platform, we're not a publisher. Well, once you start mandating what can and can't be on there, then you're, you're going dangerously close to the realms of publishing. Um, so this seems counter move to what they've done before. And I think, I understand why they're doing it for. I think it makes sense, but it's also going to put them in hot water. If they ever go back to Congress or anybody and get uh, kind of questioned by anybody that's not a bunch of old, frankly, just frankly speaking, I don't think I'm alone in this, old white guys who are a bunch of Luddites who has any kind of form of understanding of how the internet works, they will be able to charge the argument to them and say, 
So guys, you don't want to be under the rules of a publisher, but you're now stopping what can be published on your platform. It's not it's not really many ways to wangle your way out of that argument in my eyes. Yeah, it's true. It's like shooting yourself in the foot. But then the but the, the anti-vax one I find quite interesting because well I linked the two because well there's a story that's come out in the US that there's what 19 companies that have been found to be fixing prices of drugs. And I didn't really understand why this was put up as if this was a surprise thing. Like they've they've done a lot of investigation into it and found hard evidence that shows that a generic drug industry perpetrated a multi-billion dollar fraud on the American people. Well, no shit, Sherlock. Like it's yeah. not it's not and, and the reason I put the anti-vax stuff up, because I thought that was interesting, in that Instagram, so Facebook may have chucked people off there. They don't really tend to do it that much on Instagram. When they did it on Instagram, they actually notified people got up in the air about that. Facebook can't even do that. I'm not going to say properly because I was fine with how they done it, but without people challenging them saying, oh, but you told them you're going to delete them so then they could send people to their different platforms. Oh, for fuck's sake, people. Like, come on. I'm sure there's going to be some terms in their agreement that says they would need to notify people anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is, is I'm, I'm sorry, but anybody who doesn't think that drug companies manipulate the price up is living with their head under the sand. And I find it interesting that the, a bunch of hashtags that Facebook are trying to block are in this area, which is against the anti-vaxxers. You can do the argument back and forth about the anti-vaxxers versus the the vaccination. Not You don't really have the vaccination fans, but the anti-vaxxers who suggest that vaccines cause other issues such as autism. Now, without getting into that, I, I'm just very bluntly looking at it. I'm going, well, Facebook have jumped in to now start blocking hashtags, which are in favor of an industry which needs people to get vaccinations so they can sell more. And this story just speaks to that, that them selling more allows them to fix price and tell people, well, if you want the drug, you're going to have to pay for it. It's like when you're out in a petrol station in the middle of nowhere, they put an extra 5p on the petrol because they know you can't go anywhere else. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I found that quite interesting that this is the one that they decided, yeah, we're going to step in and start blocking hashtags on. <laughs> it's only pick and choose. It's, Maybe it, I'm being it, too yeah. cynical here. <laughs> <laughs> Could, yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's fairly interesting. Uh, it's fairly interesting to see where, where Facebook go. But eventually, eventually Facebook... I'll listen to fifth column and they were saying Facebook, although they said they don't want to be they don't, they don't want to be a utility, but being a utility kind of signifies they'll never be out of, they'll never be broke because of utility companies don't don't lose never never go bankrupt because they've the way they they because of the utility government utility companies and the government write the legislation t- together. So um if once if Facebook if Facebook and Google and all these and Twitter become um seen as utilities, financially it sets them up for life. So they can say for all they all they they can say uh, all the time they don't want it to happen, but from the financial side, it, it sets the companies up for life and it says they'll always be there because of you know normally so normally what's happening in the early days of social media, so some other social media to take over take over. So you'd have MySpace and from MySpace you had High Five and then from High Five you had Twitter and then Facebook and then you you have so what should happen is that popularity should go up and down. But Facebook's found a way of staying of staying there for the last, what, 10 years? More than that. It's probably more than that now. Probably last, what, 56, 15, 16 years? But at, at the top, at, at, the peak of their, at the peak of their powers, the last 11 years. So um, it's it's interesting to see where we go with these tech companies. Where is social media? Do, do Are these companies seen as utility companies like the big gas and the big telecom companies that we have currently? And then they'll be, and then in the next, when we get to the next iteration or whatever comes along, it might not be social media, it might be something else. Um, we'll see how they, how these companies take, um, how they evolve and, and change as society changes. Well, I think it comes down to the parent company. So Facebook obviously is the parent company, but it owns Instagram and it owns other platforms as well. I think the reason that they're winning is because they're catering to all the different demographics. So they they came out with Facebook originally for college students. Well, we know now that the demographics that are largely on there are a lot an older demographic now because the younger generation go in favor of Instagram. And I mean, I only need to go and I've had this conversation with somebody before. He's like in his mid forties or something. He's like, I don't understand why you would use Instagram when you've got Facebook. I 
I said, well, I don't use Facebook. He said, I oh, see, I only use Facebook. I don't use Instagram. And bang, that's just a, that, and you can look at the stats. That is the demographics that they've got. Now, Twitter is slightly different because Twitter is unique because it's the only thing that offers what it offers there. Um, but Facebook as a as an overarching company is just leech, it's just building on to the fact that as human beings, we thrive social interaction. Now, we know that we don't really go out to do that ourselves nowadays, so we just want platforms to do it on. Now, if you've hit across the different demographics, then older people can connect with people that they haven't seen in ages or people of their same demographic. The younger generations can use it to connect with their friends. Obviously, you can monetize the two um, platforms. So there's sometimes arguments for, well, what when, about when somebody just comes on and creates a better Facebook? Well, I'm, I'm sorry, but it's very difficult to do that. It's fundamentals. Facebook's platform is, is pretty strong. It speaks to everything you need from a social interaction perspective. Um, now, they can make tweaks that might piss you off from time to time in the GUI, for example. But ultimately, the underlying premise of the, the application, the platform is strong. So I don't see anything coming and knocking them off their perch. Same with Google, right? The, the search engine has a specific job. And now that they're at the top search engine, then it's very difficult for someone to knock them off. Um, because it's very difficult for us to stop saying, oh, well, I'm going to go from there and I'm going to start going to Bing. Uh, most people don't like to use Bing. I don't particularly like to use Bing. Uh, Microsoft right. can try and build it in as their default, but that doesn't really work, right? Um, so, yeah, I, I feel that they have got a model that at least, well, at least for the lifetime of Mark Zuckerberg is not going to see him going broke. Let's put it like that. <laughs> very true. All right, moving on. Um, stay moving on um, back to... Where was I? Uh, so staying on tech, I say I'm not tech, but really tech and business. Um, just based off unveils moon lander concept. So um, Blue Origins claim that the lunar la- the lunar lander will be able to make will be able to take humans to the moons, the moon's south pole by 2024. So it's, um, so we talked we talked I think we talked about this before. Um, Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk and their race for space, and it seems that. Um, Jeff Bezos has unveiled a mock-up of a new lunar spacecraft. It's, it's interesting. 2024, how old would that be? 2024. Oh, 2024. That's not that far away. It's only five yeah, years. Five away. years, dude. You act like you'll be 70 or something. <laughs> yeah, I think five years. That's not that far. It's crazy. 2024 seems when you're younger, if you've seen so far away, it's only five years away. Yeah. Um it's, it is interesting. It's time to go out to the moon. It's really, I've always found it strange that we, we went to the moon like in the 60s and 70s and then probably was it the 80s and then since then we haven't really gone back. So it's, it's, it's interesting that, that now they're thinking about going back to the moon. Um, so the blue moon weighed £33,000 when, load, when loaded with a fuel on liftoff from Earth, which decreases to about £7,000 when it's about to land on the moon. Okay. Well, this is just Jeff Bezos. I mean, they started this back in 2016, right? But this is just, this for me is a bit of Jeff Bezos, again, being a bit of a business genius. Maybe I'm being too generous to him here, but a bit of a business genius. He he knew that this would be coming at some point in time, right? He got ahead of the ball, uh, of the game on this. Donald Trump said, we're going to get back to the moon by 2024. Now, there are a lot of things that new presidents coming in will probably try and throw the kibosh on um but arguably people are asking the question why do we never go back to the moon now if you need to go back to the moon nasa don't make their own shuttles; they buy them off of other people right so mm. jeff bezos has just lined himself up there when usa come back well, well usa <laughs> when the us come back and say yeah we're going back to the moon for him to say well here you go and obviously here he's competing against elon musk and and some other companies who want to be the provider for that, uh, I think Virgin will probably be in there and then there'll be some more industrial companies that are in there. But this for me is almost like, yeah, him lining up for the expansion for Amazon and the behemoth that it is. Again, maybe I'm being too generous, but I, I think it all comes together a bit bit too nicely there. But it's yeah. not a bad thing. And, and yeah, obviously the reasons for us not going back to Moon, well, you can fill a whole show on conspiracy theories on that. Or... <laughs> You can you 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 can find countless people who will be saying we'll be going to the moon, not we'll be going back to the moon. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is it? Is it? I always find it interesting that we like we just we just haven't really gone back or hasn't been a priority for us to go back. Um, and now now it seems that everyone wants to go back to the race to space, which is which will, which will only be which can only be seen as a good thing. I can't really hate on it. I can't say it's a bad thing. Uh, moving on. 
just quickly. Um, yeah, so where, where where do I go? Where do I go? Um, I'll go with Uber. Uber's share sync on stock market debut. So Uber, um, um, this public they they um, they listen themselves publicly on the um, stock market, but in the first day of trading, it loses ground. So it's, it seems that um, Uber's share prices sink after after the stock market. Um, debut fell by 7.6% on the first day of trading. Um, it fell to win over investors. So it's interesting. Um, yeah, well, this coincided with, um, I think they're still going down. This also coincided with a strike in the US and the UK by Uber drivers. Um, it doesn't help the fact that, I mean, they've always been like this, but they did come out in one of their recent earnings announcements and say that, well, they still hadn't made a profit and that they may never make a profit. Now, obviously, that doesn't help when you're floating on the stock market. Lyft has had a notoriously bad time since they um, had their IPO as well. They're slightly different in that they're combined to the US. However, from an investment perspective, you're looking at it and saying, well, if you never make profits, then what am I supposed to do with this? I can't take any dividends out of it because you're not making anything to give back to me. If the, the longevity of this is, yes, good for us who use it as a utility, but from an investment standpoint and perspective... It's not desirable if you've got a model that keeps you viable as a running company, but can't get you into the green. Uh, it's the same kind of argument you get with Spotify as well. Um, and, and with a lot of these ones, where they've created stuff which we don't now do use as a utility. So subscription music, for example, well, the more people that come into the market, the more they've got to drop the cost down. Well, the companies grow, the offerings that they have grow. But even when they put the costs up, the cost might go up by like a dollar or two once a year or something so it makes these models very difficult to make to reach a level of profit or to make them sustainable they can sustainably run as a company but as far as putting money in the shareholders pockets it's always difficult when you are in these utility-based companies right and a facebook and a social media platform that we've just spoke about in the internet are slightly different because they can survive off monetization of adverts etc um, but it's very difficult when you're running a physical uh utility service so yeah i'll be i mean we'll keep an eye on how it goes it's, it's not about what happens on the first day i mean the fact that it coincided with that strike the fact that it came when they said there wasn't gonna be a profit you can pretty much predict that it was going to be an unsteady initial offering for that and i think because lyft was pretty low as well i think they were supposed to go in between uh, they said they were going to price between 45 to 50 dollars uh, no, 44 to $50. And because of Lyft's <clears throat> pretty bad IPO, they decided to go at the low ball range of that. Um, so, yeah, it'll just be one of the... It's only one of those to watch just because it, it was seen as one of the big IPOs of the year from a... I.e., I think it was supposed... I think that people are looking at it, uh, is this, this is kind of the proof test of these kind of companies. And obviously, at the moment, not making the best of displays, but hey-ho. All right, and then um, so Trump. So and I think the final story is um, Trump and China. So uh, um, the US has raised um, tariffs on two hundred billion worth of China's Chinese products. I thought I thought last time I checked this story that um, relations between China and Russia were falling, but it seems that it's got worse. So, between China and the US, you mean? Uh, yeah, China and the US. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. what I meant. So um, yeah, I thought there was four uh, relations were getting, actually getting better, but it seems it's actually getting worse. Uh, I don't know because they had a meeting on Friday. They didn't reach an agreement before the deadline, which is why they increased the tariffs. But the rhetoric coming out of it was not negative per se. Um, China were not happy. They said obviously uh, that they will need to take action on this. Their stock prices, their stock markets didn't take much of a hit for this. Um, on this occurring. The talks in general, I think it was Pompeo has been over there recently. Uh, no, it was Steve Mnuchin who was over there, I think. Haven't been, haven't been unproductive. So it's a bit strange. They seem to be making moves forward because, again, this is a Donald Trump move, right? He set a deadline, they hit the deadline. He's like, well, I'm putting the tariffs up. They will no doubt counter with that. And it'll be interesting because I would suspect that where they're like, well, we'll continue because they continued the conversations past the deadline. I think they were continuing Saturday afternoon and, and today. Um, however, if they fight back, you can you, you know damn well that Donald Trump again will just throw his toys out of the pram. Um, so, yeah, it's I mean, this is only ultimately going to hurt the US because they're going to have to pay the additional taxes here. 
but this is just him. He's not thinking about it from an economic standpoint. But it's quite, it's quite interesting. Is <laughs> that I was, I think it was another agenda. I heard this on, and they went back to a uh, rally he was doing back in 2011, and he actually did say at the time because he's always had an issue with China and the way that they manage intelligence and um, the feeling that they are stealing from uh, U.S. businesses. And he did say at the time, he said, "There's a way to fix this. You just put a 25% tariff on the on China." Um, so <laughs> he's nothing if not consistent in fairness but yeah it's not but because of that reason he's so dug in with this I, I think we said this ages ago I, I don't know who backs down first here <laughs> hopefully it'll be China hopefully well, it'll be for the sake of for the sake of the, um, the economy and I don't know if China don't back down it kind of helps um, it kind of helps Democrats because if things, if things become start, start becoming more expensive well, fuck no, something has to help them because they're not helping themselves. <laughs> it's very true. It's very true. All right, moving on. Uh, any more stories have I got? Um, oh, yeah, the final story of the week. A train driver... Oh, that's accidentally... a funny one, yeah. <laughs> a train driver accidentally placed porn over the tannoy, much to the amusement of passengers. So um, I think the train driver was, was driving a train, um, <laughs> watching porn, and... Um, Catching watching porn while leaving and leaving the tannoy on, and um, the, the the passengers could hear the porn over the tannoy. Uh. <laughs> I just thought that's quite amusing. If anybody's ever wondering, obviously the talk is always. I, 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 I'm sure this is in the conversation you haven't had before when there's strikes and stuff on the tube, and people always be like, "Look, tube drivers and train drivers get paid well, considering what they have to do is basically sit." Uh, at the front of the train and keep the train going in one direction and then bring it back in the other. Um, I don't want to down talk their, their job, but that is ultimately the crux of it. So if you're ever asking yourself a question, what is it that they keep themselves occupied with all day? Well, there you go. Um, you never know what's going on behind the closed doors of your, <laughs> your tube or train driver. Not not ideal, but I would, to be fair, if you were sitting like that, that would have been hilarious. I think what was the, uh, one of the tweets was what, Thomas the Wank Engine? Yeah. And I think the guy who put that up was like, there's too many responses to this for me to read through to know whether somebody else has got this first, but I'm sticking out of there anyway. <laughs> it's true. It's really bad. It kind of it kind of highlights why why they're trying to bring in the porn the porn ban. <laughs> where, they, where they make it harder for people to access porn. Uh, like I just I just don't think people should be accessing porn whilst on the job, whilst driving a train. It's really it's it kind of concerning. It's, um, it's quite embarrassing as well. So it's, it's well, it's definitely embarrassed over him because somebody's going to know who he is. Somebody working yeah. there is going to go, hold on, I know who runs that that service. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, 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 it's bad. It's bad. All right, so what have you, what have you been reading in the last two weeks? Uh, since the last time we spoke, probably quite a lot. I think I listened to the Panama Papers. I think I was starting that when we spoke last time. Um, yeah. That was quite interesting. I didn't really understand the, the scale of that tour. I always, always knew about the panel papers, but it was quite interesting to get the, the background of it. Um, Flash Boys, which is about the kind of how the um, stock market is manipulated for electronics. That what that one was actually quite interesting because I didn't know about that, how they used to do like flash sales and how they used to fight for getting close. Yeah, you basically had when they brought out when the stock exchange moved to electronic exchanges, you basically had people who were fighting over being the nearest to the server that they could get. Like you would have people arguing, well, in the room where it's going to the exchanges, they were like, well, my wire goes around the outside. I want to go because literally the milliseconds they were using to manipulate it. So somebody would um, put in uh, a buy or sell bid. And because there was somebody who was able to be closer to the exchange, they would see that bid come in and then basically count. So basically the prices would change where this guy had done an experiment. He was like, look, the market change, I'm changing the market because he would go and buy something trying to make some money on it. And he would buy it and it would instantly go up or it would instantly go down counter to what he went for. And as they found out, there were people who were kind of these milliseconds ahead. It's, it's really quite interesting because um, I didn't know about that. Um, and then I went on a massive download of stuff because I thought I was going to be spending ages on a plane, which consequently I didn't. Um, speaking of China, actually, I did listen to the Korean War. That was very interesting because I didn't. Not, I pretty much knew fuck all about the Korean War um, and the dynamics of how South Korea and North Korea came to be split. Obviously, the impact of it, like it was much more atrocious than anybody talks about. 
Um, it's, there was a lot of same mistakes made as they made in the Vietnam War, but it's just quite, I, I mean, I, I just, I don't know, I just didn't think about going into looking at the Korean War before, but it was a lot of people look at it as one of the like worst wars post-World War Two. to be honest, and I didn't ever think about it and that until I went into listening to that. Um, I listened to Mental Models by Shane Parrish. I don't know if, he was on someone's podcast, I think he might have been on Sam Harris's. Um okay. So he was talking about mental models. I listened to that. I was a bit annoyed. I mean, I buy them with credits anyway, but it was like 20 quid and it's like three hours long, which in general, normally when I buy a 20 quid book, it's like 15 hours or something. And it wasn't that great. It was, it was okay. Um, didn't really understand the, the hoo-ha over it. Um, what, last week I listened to, so I'm such a geek, man. <laughs> Surely you're joking by Mr. Feynman. That, that was really good. So uh, I don't know. Do you know who Richard Feynman is? No. Uh, so Richard Feynman is a, a famous physicist and I, I was just intrigued because you speak there's loads of scientists and physicists who like talk about people they would like to meet and his name comes up so frequently um, and he talks about it like it's it's almost just it's very strange because he just reads a set of memoirs almost like so for the first hour when he's younger you're thinking oh, I was thinking to myself I don't know if I can do another 10 hours of this but then when he gets into his adulthood he just had this really curious mind um, he was part of the Manhattan Project he worked he, he worked alongside well he didn't work alongside them he briefly worked with Niels Bohr um, had discussions with Einstein was in his eyes he thinks the only person to see the uh, atomic bomb testing with his bare eyes because everybody else had black uh, glasses on and he hid behind a car which basically uh, defended him against the waves so it's just very very interesting and curious mind and made me feel a bit stupid as ever and then just this morning i finished possible minds which is 25 different ways of looking at ai which is uh yeah that that was quite interesting i think i've heard some of them before but there's um a book on uh the human human type the human use of human nature uh the human use of human beings that's it we're a guy back in the 50s who made predictions on where he thought cybernetics well previously cybernetics now what we would call ai would go and the things that we need to worry about and a lot of people would refer back to that in their 25 views on ai so i've downloaded that to read but i also again think i was going to be starting on a plane ordered a physical book which i haven't done for a while on quantum theory and the history of it so background between einstein bohr max planck etc um so yeah i'm consuming a bit too much information <laughs> at the moment i think so i only started that like a couple of days ago yeah i haven't i haven't really read anything i i last time i talked to you i spoke to you i told you i was reading um men are, men are from mars and women from venus um decent handbook for people in relationships <laughs> I think it's a good handbook for people in relationships. Women and men speak different languages. Um, well, I I'm not very good at relationships anyway, so it, it's for me it's a very good handbook. I've learned I'm learning quite a bit from it, so I'm I'm continuing reading that. Um, I haven't really listened to a lot of podcasts. I've listened I have listened to Fifth Column and anything else of no not really. And Did a you bit of the CT Fletcher Joe Rogan one. Yeah, I listen, I listen to that. Yeah, I, I like so, that actually. It was quite. I don't know. It's, it's weird when you obviously I see like his videos and stuff, CT Fletcher, but it's 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 not weird. It's 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 not. I I don't I don't know how to refer to it because I'm not going to say it's nice. It's not, but it's it's interesting to see just how humbled of the experience he's been through. He is like even with a heart replacement, some people could take that for granted, and you can see he just fully has he's fully like flip turned a hundred percent from he's still got the old kind of still your motherfucking set approach to stuff but it was just yeah i found that to be quite a an interesting interview it was a different type of break from the norm for me as well obviously it didn't go super in depth in kind of sciences and stuff like that but i did actually enjoy that that listen yeah um i liked it i see, i always find it strange i always find it interesting as how joe and um and CT get on because of they started off beefing. Originally, they started off beefing, and then they, they become really good friends. And um, you can tell that Joe really likes CT. I think when they first started off, it was a little bit of like a little bit of tension there. And then afterwards, they become really good friends over the last few podcasts they've done together. And they, they do tweet each other. They do tweet and comment on each other's posts on Instagram and Twitter. So um, it's really it's it's, really, it's, it's a nice um, 
genuine friendship they developed between both of them. Yeah, yeah, I did. I did not. Yeah, it was weird because even CD Fletcher was like, I'm so happy to be here, man. I'm so happy to see. You. I was, yeah, it's was, it was, it was like this broski loving. But yeah, I did. I did enjoy that. It was quite good. Yeah. It was quite. Uh, there was one that I listened to earlier, actually. Kate, it was a Mindscape podcast. And she was talking about this woman, Kate Darling, on our connection with robots. It was quite. I don't know. It's one of those things where when I'm from the outside and I ask myself the question, it's a bit hypothetical. So it's this kind of theory here. But she was talking about tests that we do and how people deal with their robots and, and how when they've got like this Roomba thing, which must be, this, I don't know if it's one of the Hoover things, but it's one of the robots which just goes around your room. And she was like, there were people who will send away their robot to get fixed. But then when it needs to come back, they want to have that specific one back. And they did this test of basically having robots in a room and not, not robots that were there to look like humans, just robots in the pure form of little Roombas that go, would go around the room or they used something else that was like small form. And when it, part of this test was they asked them to destroy the robot and people couldn't bring themselves to do it. And then they tried to change the conversation to say, well, if you don't destroy your robot, then um, we're gonna, what? you're going to have to destroy their robot and other groups. Otherwise, we'll destroy yours. And again, none of these groups could bring themselves to do it. Um, and in the end, one guy was just like, fine, fuck it, I'll do it. And I'm thinking to myself, in my mind, if I had to destroy my Echo Dot, for example, I'm not going to call it what it is because it'll switch on. Um, if I just had to smash that up, I, do, I don't think I would, I don't think I would find that challenging. Um, but it, I, again, I was putting too many things together all at once here. I mean, first off, would you, if you have any, do you have, you must have something that you're, that you use a lot that you're quite attached to, which is ultimately just a piece of electronics, right? Now, if somebody asked you to smash that up, would you feel any kind of empathic feeling or relationship towards it that prevented you doing that? Uh, do you know what? I'm putting my camera. But I think that's because of this. Because camera's a bit different. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's different. Uh, um, you're, not, you're not emotionally you know, tied to that. You know, a car, a car. My first car, when I when I gave that away to get killed, to get squashed, to get smashed up, I felt quite sad about that. I, I think that's different because I think you create an emotional tie to that. Yeah. If I don't know. But if if. if, if well, what if, yeah, but what if you, so if we're using the example of a car, because I don't think any of us have anything of a robotic nature, which is easy for us to tie to. But if you sent your car away to be repaired and they gave you back exactly the same car, but it wasn't your car, then would you find an issue with that? You give away your one series, they give you a one series back, but it's not the one series you gave them. They replace uh, the number plates, everything's exactly the same. It's just the car physically is not the same car. I wouldn't care. I don't think I care. That's what, that's what I mean. And if I had to do it with a robot, even if I'm talking to her, I, I mean, and, and I'm trying to think that it's not me being, I just, I don't know, it's, I'm, I'm not me being harsh or lacking empathy, but I just find it to be, ultimately, this is, is, is ones and zeros. And again, this is, this is theoretical here because I haven't been put in the situation. And she did say that a lot of people would just say, yeah, they'd smash her. But when put in the situation, they didn't do it. And then what made me jump onto a different thing is, because when I was reading the AI thing, is, is quite interesting is that, Whenever we talk about the control problem for it, you talk about having an off button switched off, right? Um, and that, the argument has always been, well, if, if we make an AI that's that intelligent, then it will just disable it, it, its off button. So there's ways to get around the control problem. But ultimately, part of the control problem is around the information that we give it. Because if, whether it's reinforced learning or bottom-up logic or Bayesian logic, it doesn't make a difference. It can only work on the information you give it. Now, if you plugged it into the internet, then we'd be pretty fucked, right? Because the internet's full of a lot of fucking shit. And... And, and, and an AI can only take in information and make it become, it can't it can barely make inferences from it. It can only come up with things that learns from the data that it puts in. However, that said, taking that out of the control equation, right? If you, again, if you're if purely at the moment, we talk about AI as just being um, an AI in any form. We don't consider it being an AI in the form of a person, right? But it's an interesting point. Let's say, and you see a good, this is a random example to use, but you kind of see it in Avengers, right? If we took an AI that was able to achieve that, and the AI was able to look into studies such as this woman's that had identified that actually, as humans, we're pretty shit at being able to distinguish between actually a robot being, as one of the guys put it, I think it was uh, Daniel Denner, says ultimately they're just tools.
tools and we need to find the best way to use them. They're not companions, right? And I think it's good to keep that distinction between the two. But if you've got an AI that was that intelligent to be able to take over, and rather than thinking about the control problem, create his own body and put himself in a body, then rather than killing an AI by switching off the ones and zeros and the binary information that goes on in the background, you would be, in effect, killing this thing that's in front. And if someone's tied themselves to, let's say, talking to it and feeling that they they have a connection with this AI and then it manifests itself in a person or even an army of people, right? Let's say they make themselves these small vulnerable robots. Then arguably would it make the, even if there was a control in place that allowed us to turn it off, would that make it arguably, I I guess, based on the logic that she said earlier, more difficult for us as humans to say, oh, actually, I know turning it off is the right thing to do, but I can't bring myself to turn it off because I feel like I'm killing something I'm connected to. Sorry, that's a bit of a waffle there, but um, it's just a hypothetical situation I came up with in my mind. Yeah, it's a bit like Transcendence. Have you watched Transcendence when the, um, the AI gets connected to the internet? And then... Yeah, I, I love that film. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Well, it's a bit like, it's one of those, it's a bit like Ex Machina, because I just think it's, it seems outlandish, right? But I don't think it really, apart from the fact that it's very difficult to define, well, you could argue that you need to define what consciousness is, but you can also argue in Transcendence that he's never actually conscious. He's just a manifestation of, a computerized manifestation of Johnny Depp's character's dreams and memories, right? Um, There's always going to be that argument around consciousness, but it, it is... It's a good example, right? You take somebody's memories, you plug them. Again, that's an example. You plug them into the internet and it looks for a way to be self-sufficient. Uh, typically, is the paperclip problem that you've got. I think that's always a bit bit silly. We, I don't think it would be that stupid. But one of the arguments, again, that one of these people made is, oh, well, it's ridiculous to think that we could be intelligent enough to create an artificial general intelligence, but too stupid to be able to build in the necessary controls. Um, human history suggests that actually... We wouldn't do that. I mean, I think I was reading in, maybe it was the quantum book, that we fell on, Max Planck fell on the discovery of quanta, basically, and quantum theory by pure accident. Somebody solved his black body problem and created the equation, and he needed to find the reason behind it. He discovered quantum theory, and he didn't even realize what he discovered. It took Einstein afterwards to follow up and find that. Now, in this instance, has played out well for us, right? But all that is, is a realisation for us that, guys, you assume that we always know the outcome three steps down the line of what we're creating. History suggests we rarely do. So I, I didn't buy that argument that you put across anyway, but... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think, I think we could be here all day talking about AI and, 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 and theories. But um, I think that's the end of the podcast. Um, like always, if you go on SoundCloud and and, and iTunes and all podcast apps and rate subscribe and share us with your friends, we'll greatly appreciate it. It's lights out from me. And lights out from me. Have a good week, people. Uh, peace.